Hello and welcome to Walking with Purpose, a podcast where we engage in real, in-depth, comprehensive conversations and discussions regarding social issues, interpersonal relationships, marriage, dating relationships, and anything that moves us. We speak our truth. We stand in our truth as we, we bleed in our truth as we share our real-life experiences, our battles, our struggles, our triumphs, and the lessons that we've learned. I'm Chris. Today, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Santana, Jeff. Our topics today, we're going to talk about Tyree Nichols in the Memphis Police Department. We're going to talk about uh, Alabama basketball player Darius Miles and Abigail Swarner, who was shot uh, by a six-year-old who bought a gun to class in Florida. All right, I'm gonna, as usual, I'm going to set the table so we can eat. On January 7th, 2023, Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old, was stopped for reckless driving by the Memphis Police Department. After an altercation with the police, he took off on foot and ran towards his mama's house. The police caught up with him and beat him to death. I watched the video from the pole camera. It was very disturbing. I saw two officers, one on each arm, holding Tyree's arm extended behind his back, while one officer viciously punched him five times repeatedly in the face. Once he was taken to the ground, I saw that same officer who was punching him kick him in the head. This man was fearing for his life. He was, he was heard on the video calling for his mama. Tyrese succumbed to his injuries and died on January 10th, 2023. Eight days later, the FBI got involved into looking into civil rights violations with the Memphis Police Department. Two days after the FBI got involved, all five officers were arrested. Six days after that, all five officers were terminated and charged with second-degree murder. The one white officer was relieved of his duties since he has been later fired but not charged. Why was the white officer involved in this attack shielded and protected from the public? Where is the transparency with the Memphis Police Department. The fallout extended to the Memphis Fire Department, two MTs, emergency medical techs, and a fire lieutenant who responded to the incident were fired for their handling of the incident. They failed to render care and violated numerous Memphis Fire Police Department policies and protocols. Tyree Nichols is black. Five officers were black. One officer was white. I saw in the video where the white officer helped pin him down. And then as uh, Tyree was running away, he tased him. So we're going to talk about it. Is this a race issue? Is this a policing issue? Is this a civil rights issue? And then there's some reports that came out that it was personal. 
I couldn't bring myself to watch the entire video, uh, to be honest with you. I saw bits and pieces of it. It's just, it's a very hard thing to watch. For me, I don't like to see um, anyone getting beat up. So um, I've kind of just been listening to different reports that come out about the situation. You know, I did find it interesting that they were um, charged and arrested so quickly in comparison to other situations like this where it was white officers against a black man. So I, I wondered, you know, like, why why are they so swift on this? Like, I mean, they should be like this on every case, but why why this one? I mean, I don't, I don't know if, is it a race thing? Their, their supervisor's black too, a black female, you know, I had heard something about her having, um, these different groups. Like she is the one that came up with the name to their unit, right? What was her unit called? Scorpion. Scorpion. Okay. So she throughout her career has been in charge of other ones with similar type names. And then here we are. And I mean, do you think they acted so swiftly because she is a black woman and she was like, oh, no, I'm not going to let this go? Or was it somebody else, you know, pulling the trigger on that whole thing? I think it was damage control. I think it was damage control. I think it was a PR move, public relations move. I thought that uh, they wanted to kind of control this situation, control the aftermath of the situation. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I could see how that could be, you know. It reminds me of back in the day, I think it was LAPD or LA or the Sheriff's Department where they had the unit called the Jump Out Boys. <laughs> where they just be rolling through the hood and they jump out. Wow. And just start commencing havoc yeah. on, on, on all these uh you know, all these people that were in the neighborhood. Yeah. Cause they thought they were either gang members or or drug users or drug drug dealers, I should say. Right. Yeah. Um when I listen to both of you, I think you both are um right on target with it you you asked that question about is it race um i think it's a combination of race i think it's a combination of the system mm. i think it's a combination of uh how we go about business regularly in america how do why do i say that because um i was listening um and i know we all do it we try to get as much information as we possibly can before we come on here and talk about it because we want to be diligent in how we provoke our thought towards it. And uh, so many things came out. I mean, we got people talking about uh, uh, it's the problem of black mothers and all this other oh, stuff. A going single on. black mother. Single black yes. mother. And, uh, but then that allows them to escape dealing with the policing system. Mm. Okay. So we know the system has been intact. Uh, all these different groups and stuff, scorpions or whatever coming out are different individual groups within the departments to deal with certain crime, sometime illegally. Okay. So, you know, the story has come out that it's a possibility that that was a provoked stop because apparently the young man, Tyree, might've had some type of relations with one of the, the cop's ex-wives. Right. So that came out. And when you think about it, they talk about rec- reckless driving, but we don't know what kind of, Driving was really going on. This kid was close to the house. I think he was on the same street of his house. Yeah, yes. He, and he his, his house was 80, 80, 80 feet away. Yes. Yeah. And so, of course, and, and, and why he was running, 
because he was trying to run. He knew his neighborhood, and he probably felt, I can find some type of safety. He's trying to get home. So if you think about that, you're thinking about the offers, what is premeditated. Was there something going on before then? Okay, so you you put that into your mind, and then uh, uh, then some came out that talked about um, the police chief. Mm. The police chief, the lady, was fired from another Atlanta. The black police. lady, yes. What I had had been, <laughs> she had been fired because two detect two detectives accused her of telling them not to investigate another man who was married to a sergeant after the police department obtained photos of him with underage girls. A federal grand jury later indicted this person on child pornography. He pleaded guilty to one count of child pornography in 2009. So she was fired because she was overseeing of that department Mm -hmm. and allowed this transaction so when I hear you talk about, you know, the FBI came in, it sounds like to me she had nothing to do with it and might allowed it to go on or they knew information about her before. So they directly made sure they took care of it. And I believe what you say, Chris, damage control, because uh-huh. they knew that this could go crazy with protests and all these things. And now we will have a city uprising. Uh-huh. And so we got to damage control it. And people that know the chief knows prior actions. Because if you're in Atlanta, you know things that have gone on. And the race thing that came up to me was the city of Atlanta is predominantly black. So we got black officers. Now we've had issues in America where we've never dealt with officers that have been white. We took time. It goes on forever and it goes on forever. But all of a sudden with this, it was like we we got to hit this hard. Despite their evil, we got to hit it hard right now so that we make some type of statement. The unfortunate thing is all five of them were black. black. Mm. But stuff came out that they didn't pull him out. They pulled him out of the passenger side first. That's what was said. They pulled him out of the passenger side, brought him around, and that's when you see the white officer saying something. He's saying, when I say system, I'm going, he's telling them, beat his, you know, and I'm like, at the same time, he's tasing the kid. And I'm going, okay, I got to take race out of that because that sounds like a system. That sounds like policing system stuff like, Basically, they're being said, these guys basically been, their M.O. has been beating people up right. the whole time. Like, right. It's not like they're out there really solving crimes. They're just out there presenting fear. But from what I saw in the video, he was in the driver's side, and they pulled him out from the driver's side and then threw him, threw him to the ground. There was a word that initially, before the video, they had pulled him out of the out of the passenger side and brought him around and had him up against the car. And then you see on the video, like him like going down and you see them trying to push him down. But the word is they initially pulled him out of the passenger side. Guy got mad. And so when I thought about that part of it, I said, if they pulled him out of the passenger side, 
there was some premeditation. There had to be something they knew or something went on why they would do that. The circumstances surrounding this whole incident, to me, seems personal. It seemed personal and it seemed to, to some point premeditated. <clears throat> but I, I'm, I want to invite you to and everyone else to look at this video again, because I swore that they pulled him out on the driver's side of that vehicle because he was the only occupant in that car. You know what? I saw something about that one in particular that you said had there was a issue between Tyree and a girl and the ex-wife. So the one in question that's involved with that, he was accused of brutality in the past. Okay, so he does have a history of of those things. But my other question to you, Jeff, is um, when was she in charge in Atlanta? How long ago was that in- incident that you were talking in about? 2009. So you, you think about wow. 2009 and then you have a, a, a period of time where you continue in law enforcement to then, well, you know, Well, she's in charge of, sudden, of, of yes. them here. So how does she even get to that place when you've been involved in that? In that incident. type of incident. Yeah, exactly. And so, again, we don't know how things move along in terms of how you you get promoted, how things go on, who you know, you know what I mean? And so now she gets that position. I thought about what Chris said. The FBI came in. So them knowing what they know, because everybody knows everybody's business, knowing what they know, they made sure that this could not get swept under the rug somehow. And so they made sure this info, this got done. And she basically, you know, it's like now you're kind of doing damage control because now you got to stand in front of the mic and then put on the front that they've already know you have to do it because they checking you now. Uh You put on the front and say, Hey, that this is what you got to play that kind of that devil's advocate to kind of keep yourself good, but also make it look like it's not a system issue that we took care of it right away now and didn't waste, you know, time. The thing that, that I looked at too, I didn't know those charges. Like when I looked at those charges, kidnapping and like they threw some charges on that. You could use that all over in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. but I never heard that charge kidnapping and that goes pretty like really hardcore. They're going to make an example of them. Yeah. Because for sure you could almost like the beatings that took in places that have gone over. If you in the isolated spot, I mean, you could be bringing that up, but you only hear like, okay. In the, uh, what's the name's case. They came up with murder, just murder. Uh-huh. But they didn't say aggravated assault. You know, he was kind of, you know, when you think about it, he's kind of victim of, um, you know, of kidnapping. He can't get away. Well, in this case, kid couldn't, he couldn't get away either. But now it's all those things, aggravated murder, you know, kidnapping. So those charges are going to stick differently in the court system. The the whole philosophy is you, 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 you charge as much as you can and you see what's going to stick. It's like you're throwing some stuff, mm-hmm. some spaghetti against the wall. You see what's going to stick. 
And I'm telling you, they're going to prosecute these guys to the fullest extent of the law. Mm-hmm. Fullest extent. And uh, was this a race issue? For me, I would have to say it's more of a system issue. It's a policing, policing issue. issue because it, we're hearing it all over the place and especially in major cities. But why is this a policing issue, not a race issue? And all the other ones are white cops and those are race issues. Because I, I believe because that they're white. And- no, I believe it's because the white officers involvement how it was, and they felt they they felt like all of them was in that on that same page. That, that white officer should be getting it. He yes. should be getting his butt handed to himself too. He shouldn't be. Oh well, we fired him and that's it. Like I don't know when they're gonna they're gonna get on board, but somehow or another, that dude. I heard that now. I'm hearing there's there's possible criminal charges there being sh- dealt against be. him. There should be. And I believe so, too. He took part in, in that. I think that race thing you bring, it's, it's kind of a tricky, you got to really kind of unpack some other stuff I, with it. I think for, but it's, for black Americans, this is a very unique situation to be in, to look at, because you're so used to seeing white officers doing this to a black man. To see your own, own. do this Come on. Is, is shocking. Like. Come what on. is going on? Come on, Santa. But, but let's be real, too. <laughs> uh, it goes on every day. No, it does. It does. And, and that's why I'm not I'm not shocked because I have seen it. Even in, na- in our neighborhoods, you know it, it goes on. I had seen somebody, I can't remember who it was now, it was on some social media thing where this um, black man was saying that... Um, he was talking about how black on black crime, okay? Your own people are killing each other all the time, you know? And so it is, it's shocking, but it isn't shocking. And he attributed things to like gangs, you know? It's like a gang almost to him. And I thought that was interesting. I'm like, wow, okay. You're looking at it like this is a gang. And I guess maybe some people will look at um, police officers as they are a gang, right? Yeah. They're in this. They're clickish. Right. They're in a click. They're click. And there's been proven that there's definitely clicks within these law enforcement agencies. Race issue to me, based, based on the fact that this was black on black, it's a race issue. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem how, how other black people look at other black people and then how black people in law enforcement look at other black people who are not in law enforcement. And that was a, that was a dynamic that was definitely present during the Rodney King issue. Yeah, I had some. I, had, I know some black dudes, some black officers. Like you know, look at these, look at these animals, referring to their own people, burning down their city. So for me, it's definitely a race issue. It's a policing issue. Obviously, it's a civil rights issue. Yeah, and obviously, from from some point. I feel it was personal too, man. If that history is there, I, I mean, we're, I'm sure that didn't come out of nowhere, right? Yeah, this that's is. not a made up. That's not a made up. Let me just make up a story about about that man and his ex wife, and yeah. you know, they, that came from some real place, some, some real place. So, I, you know, you get there, and then you realize, oh, 
oh, this is that guy. This is that, you know. Or you're, you whatever know your mindset at. gets the best of you mm-hmm. and you automatically start, you have the ability to track anybody down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now. Well, you know where you he know, lives. You know where he lives. And then yeah. you knew, who knows that they knew he was coming out the house that day or he was driving. So you use reckless driving as your way of the stop. And then from reckless driving, it goes to something right. totally right. different. It yeah. went left. It, it went, <laughs> it went this, all this was left. a special unit. Why are you conducting a traffic stop? Yeah, special units are are that just that they don't do regular traffic stops. They are on they are busting missions. Okay, we this is what our unit does. If it's all about marijuana, guess what? This is what we're we're on the case. We're 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 busting marijuana houses and you know the dealers and X Y and Z. So yeah, so what is the Scorpion unit in charge of looking for or doing? That's I why I say it's personal. And that's that, one of the one of the reasons why I say it's personal. Yeah, and and I thought about that because you have units that are dealing with sex trafficking. You have oh, units yeah. that are trying to break down, you those, know, those cartel are, stuff, all kinds of different things. But to actually pull a person over just because they're in a they're in a car and you're gonna attach it to reckless driving. Every police agency around has units of different, you know, that handle different things. Yeah, And what is it, and I thought about this, <laughs> what if the young man, when he saw the officer, knew the officer? And this is why he decided to run? And he knew something was fishy from the very beginning because it looked like the stop was totally inappropriate for pulling somebody over for reckless driving. Mm. So what if he turned and he saw and knew you know, the things that are coming out about the possibility that it was he he had a, a situation with the woman of one of them. And then he sees that guy and then realizes this isn't a normal stop. Mm-mm. Did you read the report? Did you see the report, the police officer report, how they lied in the report? I heard about the lying. There was I didn't see nothing the- near what happened or what what took place in that video. Wow. I didn't see that. But it doesn't surprise me. I'm just saying. Right. I mean, you know what? When this when this trial starts, oh my goodness, there's going there, to be so much. There is nothing you can dispute from that that tower video. Oh yeah, yeah the no, pole no. video. The pole there's, video. You can't. How do you? How do you? Whoever their de, uh, defense lawyers are going to be. Because they're saying that police officers know how to take their body cam. And, and turn it a certain way and then say something and that not actually show on, on the body cam. And you know that people think like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can have all these different rules and regulations, but I'm going to figure out how I can circumvent these rules by looking into what I can do well, to get away. If they've been doing this, I mean, prior to, to Tyree Nichols case, if they've been doing this all along, for years or however long it's been, I don't really know how long um, each one of them has been with the department, but they've been in this particular unit for however long that is, right? And they're just going to town and, and nobody's saying anything or obviously doing anything. The white officer that was there, he's part of the unit, right? 
He yeah. didn't just show up on the mm-hmm. scene out of nowhere. He actually started the department in 2018. Mm. Wow. So and we just went there. we just went left like this. 2018, it's not that long ago really. And you can see a, a, you can see an officer like him coming into that unit. You brand new. We don't know his prior history, mm-hmm. but he coming into that and seeing how things are done. I'm just acquiescing he, to how things are done. But he's on board. <laughs> he's, he's on board ob- with he's it. He's obviously on board. Why isn't he charged yet? You just fired him. Like I don't get it. I don't get it. And and people have a problem with that. If you're going to do this to these other five. This white man over here needs to be a part of that. It's, whole interest, it's interesting because he had a statement, I think, through his lawyer mm. that came out. Mm. And then the other, the other, there's two, I think, black officers that all of a sudden got their own lawyer. And they're trying, trying I think one trying to plead not guilty. Two of them trying to plead not, not guilty. guilty. And I'm like, okay. The, the cold blooded thing to me is after you inflicted this punishment on this man. That nobody rendered any aid, and nobody stepped up to intervene. Why didn't those they EMTs? They just laid that boy. That boy laid down there on the ground. Why do you think those EMTs didn't render aid so quickly? Why do you think? They probably were told not to. Is that on the camera? Is that being yes. heard? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I didn't. I don't know. Like I told you, got, you I didn't want to watch. Yes. I could not bring myself. to. That boy was on the ground, and the EMTs walked away. They were oh. seen walking away. Mm. And the word is they're supposed to render care despite anything. You see exactly. them there injured, handcuffed. You still need to, to check on them, make sure that they're okay. But while walking away, and then you have a lieutenant that comes and doesn't tell them to go back in there. So now. Lieutenant's fired too. Yeah. So now yeah, yeah. They, this person is laying there. No care, no administration of anything. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, no one knows that feeling when you're hurting that bad or you're in that situation and you're not getting no help. I can't even imagine how that felt. Those are precious moments that probably could have saved that boy's life. True true story. You're right. They could have. They could have done something. 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 And that's just sad. I I just... (sighs) Stuff like this happens. Like, it's just so disheartening to me that... You know, this world <laughs> and and people, you know, and and an oath you take. Mm. Like I it's so important to me. You you're you're making a promise yes. to keep people safe. And and you know what, thank God I haven't really had to call on anybody to come and protect me um that way. But I would like to know that I'm doing that and I'm gonna get what I'm asking for and not have to worry about you know, something crazy happening. Literally, check this out. And this is how worried I am. Um, a week ago, a deputy sheriff came to my door out of nowhere, knocked on the door. And I saw the ring camera and I wasn't home. I was at work. My mother answers the door and she's asking for my neighbor's son, but she's thinking he lives at my address. Let me tell you something. <laughs> the last thing I want to happen is a bunch of sheriff's deputies surrounding my house, you know, around the windows and the back door, because that's what they do in case you're going to escape, uh-huh. surrounding my house with guns, thinking that that boy lives at my house. So I called the city I live in. I called them and I was like, hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what we need to do. But there was a sheriff's deputy at my house. Um, 
And um, I want to make sure that my address is not the address on file for him. He does not live there. I don't want, you know, cops at my house for no reason. And last thing I need is is somebody thinking he is in there and breaking down my door and who knows what, you know. And so um, a few days later, I, I did talk to um, a deputy. He called me and we were discussing it. And he told me that it had to be some other agency because they don't even have a record of them coming to my house. And they know he doesn't live there. He frequents another area in my city. They know his father because his father's been in and out of prison and jail and he lives right next door. So my mom did tell her, look, his family lives next door. He does not live here. Mm. She goes, this is the address he gave that he gave. Of course. You know, and it just doesn't sit throw well. Him off. It really does not sit well with me. It doesn't. And people do that. And mm-hmm. that's the trick. That's the... The sad part that you're talking about that people will do that. Mm-hmm. They'll bring up some other thing that to steer them off in another direction and not understand the ramifications. Can you imagine your mom there and they break the door down? Oh, I don't even want you, to. You know what I mean? But that's serious business that <laughs> someone would do that. It is serious. I, I, I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spoke to him. He reassured me that here in, in our area over here, that's not his address. So I'm like, okay. But it still like leaves me with, well, who the heck was at my door? Because you know what? Sheriffs, they all wear tan and green. It doesn't matter what city you're from. It you wear tan and green, and that's that. And I didn't I couldn't see the city on her any patches. She had a jacket on. I couldn't tell where she because um he was asking me, Well, she leave her card? Of course not, she didn't leave her card. My mom didn't think to ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She thought it was our department for our city at my door. So she was just like, I sent them next door. And I said, well, I'm glad you did. I, I, if I had been home, my thinking is different. And I would have been like, Hey, where are you from? Because, you know, let's have a discussion. He does not live here. Please go back to your agency and fix that. Cause that's an issue to me. I, I don't want anybody at my house like that. That's just crazy. And God forbid something happened like that. Oh my God. I would nut up. You'd see me on TV. Just saying. Okay, and go ahead. And, and it's crazy too because I had a conversation with an officer, and they brought up what you two were bringing up about. You know, I swore an oath, and she said one of the things that's difficult for me is it's one thing to know I have to go out there and do my job, and I got to worry about how people feel about me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now I got to worry about people within my department. Can I trust them? Yeah. And they say it's getting very difficult because you just don't know. And things like this bring a whole different light to things that you might hear of in your department, but you don't know for sure. Right. But now you got to come into work every day and depend on people. Are they going to have your back? But let's, let's talk about policing. Because when, way back in the day when we were growing up, you know, police officers, they, they wielded a lot of authority. And that authority was unquestioned. If you tell you to get out the car, you got out the car. We complied with those orders that they were giving us. Don't shoot hands up. You know, we get traffic hands on steel, hands up. Now I see these people just jawing back at them. It's created a bad situation now. It's, right. But that's, I think that's a situation that they've created. The policing has created. These guys are jawing back, talking. Why you stop me? Why are you Why are you pointing your gun at me? They're questioning the 
methods that these police officers are using during these traffic stops. One of the reasons I believe is because of the superiority type attitude that's been going on in policing. Right. And so, you know, I heard a officer saying, you do you know who I am? Right. And I'm like, okay, what's that to do with a traffic stop? Right. Like that's the mentality that you can sense. I saw this one officer intervene and grab her sergeant away from a situation. Mm. And then the sergeant pointed at her and said, why'd you do that? I'm going to deal with you later. Yeah, I remember that. That wasn't that long ago. Wasn't long ago because he was out of bounds. And I was like, okay, is that a superior thing or is that a man against woman thing? Either way you slice it, either way you slice it, it was not cool. Because that is a, a male-dominated profession, and there are female officers and female deputies out there, and uh, they got to prove themselves daily that they I are capable it, of handling situations. I think it's both. I think it, I think you're both. I think it's just you know uh, a person who's now having something questioned that ain't never been questioned before, right? Yeah. And so now, and then not only that, then it's a female that's just on the asking me, and they taking it that way instead of looking at maybe they're getting you to look at it differently. Right. Despite how many years you've been on there. Because mm-hmm. you could be emotionally tied up in there yes. for something that has nothing to do with that stop. In essence, she kind of tapped him out because he was going overboard. And just tap out and just, tap hey, out. let me take a little breath. Yeah. Let her take over. Kind of sound like stuff we used to deal with when we was in residential <laughs> treatment where, you know, you're dealing with a kid. Sometimes you got to let them go. Let another person take ho- take over until you can kind of settle yourself because things happen. Right. Listen, that job is, is very stressful. It is. And um, I think that mental health is a concern all the way across the board, not just civilians, but with men of, you know, the men in law, men and women of law enforcement, like they need, they need to have a place they can just, Go get that feng shui, zen, or whatever you need to do to keep yourself balanced. Because, you know, your you're, you're adrenaline and, and all that, every time you come to a stop, you don't know what's going to happen. Look at all the officers that have been killed lately. Just, yeah. or, and, and for, for what reason, though? What reason? Because there's no longer a regard for law enforcement. There there's isn't. A, there's it's, a blatant disregard for law enforcement. And in my opinion... This is something that has, through the years, has has manifested itself. Yes. And now you see it. But they that, don't care. They'll shoot a police officer in a minute. But, but how do you fix that? How you do you, how don't do you, you, fix. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I. I don't know how do you fix it unless you. You have to do more community relationship uh, policing. You have to build a relationship between the police and the community. And the thing is, is that I don't know. And that's about, hard. I don't know about all agencies. Okay. But I know the one in particular I work for, they do do that all the time. There's always something, there's some, they have, um, you know, we have that mental health uh, professional that's in our building physically that goes out on these calls, these mental health calls, you know, she's there to, to assist with that kind of thing and get people the help that they need. Um, but who's, who's given, um, who's given our officers and deputies mental health you know, who's doing that and, and who's willing to even say, you know what, I have a problem. How do officers soothe themselves? They drink. Mm. They drink. There's a lot of drinking. That's their therapist. Yeah. 
That's their mental health counselor. And that's been like that for years. For years. And then not only that, also that that part of it. And then just like if you're a CEO in the prison, mm-hmm. are you going to be that deputy that's going to succumb? Because it happens that you're going to succumb to the delinquency inside the prison. Because if you step over that line, now you got to always step over that line. So in officers, if I'm if I'm feeling like I'm not making enough money to deal with all this stress situation, am I going to step over that line and take something that I shouldn't take? Am I going to be a part of something that I know is not not what I signed up for? And then, like you said, that stress takes you to different levels that people don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're going to find it somewhere else. But that, truthfully, is just a microcosm of our society. And everything that we're talking about right now, you can put it in the government, you can put it in the schools, you can put it in the corporations. It is happening everywhere where, as Chris said, people are saying, well, what do you do? Or I think the problem is is relationships. I think there's no, no relationship. It never has been. No. So that's the issue in our country, relationships, because it's, it comes down to this. Why should our relationship with you, when me relationship with you, it don't affect what happens with me. So if it, if it, I'm not worried about whether this young black kid or this young Mexican kid is dying. That don't affect me where I live. That don't affect me. So why should I care? So you ask the question, policing, getting out in the community. I've seen some white officers that have worked in Compton. And one of the reasons they said they had success is because they were relationshiping with the people in the community. As you should. And so the, when yes. they needed some tip or they needed something and they knew how to keep those people from being the people that gave up the info so that they could have their investigation do what they did, they did that. I knew of white officers well, the people was coming out, giving them food, inviting them in the house. Mm-hmm. They sitting down at the table. How can that happen unless you have a relationship? But if you're walking in there like my chest poked out, I'm I'm superior to you. Mm-hmm. I'm superior to you in race. And then I'm superior to you in authority. Mm-hmm. So now, oh, I look down on you and we know as three minority people, we can sense it. From the minute you walk up, True. you don't have to say nothing out your mouth. True. We can sense it. And we're going, mm, now, it's just like you said before, we could look at a police officer coming up from the mirror, side mirror, look at the facial, the walk. Did he come around the corner? He immediately had his hand on the gun. And we were always taught, put your hands on the, on the steering wheel, on the fingers on the dashboard. If they ask you for your thing, you explain what color your wallet was. It's in my right pocket. I got to reach for it. Or it's in my glove compartment. You got to do all that. But in this situation in Memphis, there was nothing like that. They just opened the door and snatched this kid out of the car and threw him to the ground. Mm. Crazy. And it's going back to what you said. And I honestly believe the more I looked at the info, the more I just kind of deciphered it it was personal there's something else that went on that you would just get dragged out of a car and you don't hear step out of the car or go up to it sir you okay what's going on i see you driving right we don't get none of that what we get is totally 
we was going in. Yeah. We, we had a where's, reason. Where's the beginning of the tape? Yeah. That would say, oh, I'm, you know. This is a traffic stop. Right. Because that's what Lights you Lights and sirens. When you, when you pull somebody over, there's a method to the madness, method okay? Method to the madness. You're on a traffic stop. Can you run X, Y, and Z the, license plate, blah, blah, you know, all this kind of stuff. You go through the whole process prior to dragging anybody out of anything, if that's mm-hmm. what's going to occur. So where's the beginning of these tapes? Like, mm. did they even press record? I mean, I don't know. You just said a good thing. Maybe the FBI, like Chris says, they knew that it, things weren't done properly. They so that's why they, they skipped protocol and that's had to go right in. They skipped mm. protocols and procedures. Yeah, definitely. don't don't turn your cameras on until we get yeah. him out the car, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. the case may be. And that was just stupid. So. Let's talk about Alabama basketball player Darius Miles. This dude was, I think, a fourth stringer or third stringer, and his friend Michael Lynn Davis. They were hanging out near a strip mall near the University of Alabama. They had an encounter with a young lady. Her name was Jamia Harris. She was out with her boyfriend, minding their own business. One of these men, either Darius or Michael, began flirting with Jamia. Jamia declined his advances and told him she wasn't interested that she is with her boyfriend. They continued to follow her. They continued to try to talk to her despite her telling them that she wasn't interested. While the woman and her boyfriend were uh, attending, attempting to leave Jamia, these two dudes walked up to the car and filed several shots inside the vehicle killing Jamia Harris. Both men have been charged with capital murder. Thoughts? Grown, grown men who can't handle rejection. That's just sad. That really is. And, and so, so you guys are football players, um, basketball or basketball players. One of them was basketball. Okay. So I'm thinking the women, in school that you're going to school with are all, uh, all about you. Cause you're on the team, you know, like, I don't know how to, but groupies, I don't know what to call them. Okay. So you're used to getting whatever and whoever you want. So here's this young woman and she was a mother as well. She was only 20, yeah. 23 years old yeah. and she's not responding to you. How full of yourself do you got to be? You know, to be like, here, man, here's a gun. Go, you know, and then you just shoot her. I just start firing away. My God. Because you got rejected. You know what? I cannot. What, Negroes. <laughs> Black folks again you acting know, silly. You know what I mean? I, I, I go back to so many of our podcasts that we've done about um, childhood trauma. And the way that you're raised and not having a father, you know, these things are so important. And I really never thought about my life that way until this past year with you guys, where I'm just like, you know what? It all makes sense to me now. But when you're tw- early, in your early 20s, I was not thinking about that. I was just thinking, you know, because I was in my own trauma at that time. I was a young mother too at 18. So, I was just like, what is wrong with this guy? Why doesn't he love me? He's beating me up. And 
and uh, we're living this crazy life, you know, and I just wanted to get through each day. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. You got to ask yourself, um, what happened to you, young man? Where, where are your parents at? Right. You ask yourself this stuff, but I, listen, I grew up without, you know, my dad was not there. So what do you, <laughs> yeah. how do you make, how do you make sense <laughs> of stuff like this? But if, but if a guy's out with his girlfriend, why are you trying to talk to his girlfriend? Because you and, think you're and, all the, and she's not listen, giving you any play. To me, walk away. This screams like narcissistic behavior. It is. Hello, you know you guys are are, and, are and, well known on campus, right? Everybody knows who you are. And and here it is that narcissism you talk about has nothing to do with race. No, it's in every male. It's in every female. It it, it is. Yeah. And so not only that, Chris, I also think. The young, the young man on the basketball team knows the rules and regulations. They compliance. They all sit in front of a compliance officer, mm. and they go over all this stuff about what you can and cannot do, cannot have happen. So this young man knew, and he's supposedly the one that gave the gun. Yeah, right. So whether he gave the gun or, a matter of fact, he got the gun in his possession, did he have it on the campus Let me ask of you. Alabama? And I'm going, what would he need to have the gun on a college campus for in the first place? So here's my thing, because it happened at 1.45 in the morning, I guess. Mm-hmm. So were they drinking? Was there drinking involved? I don't remember. I don't remember seeing. I thought about that as alcohol well. Alcohol, because. Or was that, it smoke? You well, know either, either one. Was, it was, there, was there drugs involved? Okay. Or drinking or whatever. But I didn't see anything about that. So I no, wonder. I didn't, I didn't either. So I wonder, are you guys sober and you're this stupid? Or <laughs> did you help? Did you have help with this, you know? But uh, st- in a sense, stalk this girl and her boyfriend. Right. And continue to try to uh, attempts to talk to her. And she's saying, I'm not interested. Leave me alone. And yeah. you take a gun and start shooting her. Start shooting in the car. It doesn't make any sense. None of it makes You're, sense. You go to school at a, these aren't just like gangbangers, I guess, on the street type of incident. The, these guys are on, they were on campus. Makes you, it makes you kind of wonder, was they on something? I'm saying, I didn't see anything about, about yeah, this, that. They, this happened near the campus. It wasn't oh, directly okay. on the campus. Okay. Near, near the campus in like a little, a little strip strip mall little strip area that they had and what's going through the mind of the kid on the basketball team who's in the middle of league play that he would put himself in that situation like and lose everything that you could have even though he was a reserve because he was he was a reserve he wasn't getting no you know he probably wouldn't get no playing time but still you're still on scholarship you're on scholarship you you gonna let that go at the University of Alabama, a prestigious college in terms of sports and all those things? You're gonna let all that go because your friend? We don't know if it was him directly asked or his friend directly asked, and you're told no. So then you're gonna like get upset, give, give your friend the and gun. go give him the gun, and not only that, thinking your handprints and all that's on it too, and is it your mm-hmm. gun? You, he, like they he both had, got charged, but they he admitted that he handed him the gun. Yeah. He admitted that. Yeah. So and that's that, what I'm saying. Was he drunk? Was he, was he high? But it goes, it goes back to what you're talking about, Santana, and that that narcissistic behavior that you think you're all of that, and that think you you're deserving of this, 
And you could do this or exhibit this type of behavior anytime you want to. And how dare she we say no, We had a no, friend right? in college who would do that. This is plenty of times I've seen him thinking he can pull this chick away from her dude. We've seen him do that a few times. Wow. Talk so he talked so badly about this dude and this chick that the chick ended up leaving her boyfriend to go with him. We saw that. Mm. We saw that. We saw it. But that was narcissistic narcissistic behavior on his part. Yes. Yeah. And and that he can get what he wants. Yeah. And he knew how to do it. And if the girl and, and each time a, a lady you know, acquiesced to it, then that gave him that much more confidence that he mm-hmm. could keep doing keep it. Keep doing it. And so, um, you know, it's almost like when we tell a young man, if a, if a young woman says no, she mean no. No, no means that no. Don't, that don't keep going. That means no. But if you come from a mindset like, no, I'm I'm it, still going to go. It's I, like it's like you at a club, you ask a woman to dance, you say no. What are you going to do, throw a drink on her? I've seen that happen. We've seen listen, that too. Listen, I was going to say, apparently... <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I've never had a drink thrown at me, but I, you know, dang. I was in the middle of the floor when it went down, <laughs> trying to get out the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's um, yeah, it's you're right. It's that, it's, and it's fed. I think our, I think it's fed in our society to have that mentality, and that it's okay when it's not okay. Parents are not teaching uh, their sons and daughters things. That they should be. That was senseless violence. You know? Man. Senseless, senseless, crazy. senseless. Grown and man can't handle rejection. Can't just, handle being told no. That's just crazy. And and, and if I could just throw this out, because I wanted to, you know, because I thought about what Jason Whitlock said and what you just brought up, which is good. You know, on this podcast, we've all talked about not having fathers. Yeah. But we also look at ourselves and how, you know, me and Chris were talking about it the other night, how we tried to father our kids, despite the traumas and the things we did. Right. We try to do that, and that gets overlooked. So this came up, and it said, contrary to popular belief, black fathers are more involved in their children's lives than their white and sometimes Hispanic counterparts. According to the Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention, black fathers, 70%, were most likely to have bathed, dressed, diapered, or helped their children use the toilet every day compared to whites, which was 60%. And this was conducted in a 2013 study by the CDC. So if you look at that time frame, we're talking about seven, eight, nine, ten years. It wouldn't surprise me if that 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 is starting to happen. Because now that I've been back to work and I've been talking to a lot of kids, uh, Hispanic as well as black, because that's the majority of my school, I've noticed that there's been more fathers coming up to the school. That's good. They need to be there. And, and I noticed that. And I, and, and I say that only because when we reference it to what we're dealing with, talking about why two young men would have a narcissistic mindset and then shoot and kill a girl. When you talk about four officers that would think it's okay to just beat a guy who's a dad. And we can kind of say it was kind of personal. Sometimes we don't know. We, we don't know why they did that. We know the narcissistic behavior behind it, mm-hmm. but we don't know why it, and we can't always contribute it to what we think a black father isn't in the home. Or we don't think that, you know, Hispanic fathers in the home and are being there positively affecting their kids. Right. Well, I and, hope, I hope that's true. 
And, and I hope that's true that these black fathers are stepping up yes. and being trying to be a part of their, their kids' lives. And the brown fathers too. I hope that's true. Yeah. And that's because that's, that's what, definitely needed. That's what what it is. And it's a driving thing to help combat a lot of this stuff we're dealing with. And it's true because Chris knew how to navigate his kids. I knew how to navigate mine. You knew how to navigate your son. Mm-hmm. How the things that you said, but if we don't take those steps, all we continue to do is keep blaming, keep blaming, keep blaming. Well, that's the easy way out. And that's the easy way out. And it's just like these cops and all the things that have been going across the country. We keep trying to say this is they didn't follow this. They didn't do this. What's that to do with you? Somebody's life being taken in a normal stop. Narcissistic attitude. Why won't we change things? And you guys brought it up. I mean, it's all about relationships. If you want to change something, you got to have relationships and get in there and have empathy. You, you can't be afraid to police the community that you're assigned to. You have to get out from behind of that patrol car and, 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 and learn the people who you're dealing with. Thank you. Some of them are going to give you some good intel. And you build those relationships and man, man, hey man, can you, bro, I see you smoking some weed, man. You know, you know you're on probation, bro. Man, go and put that stuff away, man. You can give warnings. It's you, the you way you build, do build it. Build relation, bro. I told you. See, it's, that's the second time I told you. It's a respect thing because even, even in the prison system, there's a respect yes. thing. Yes. And here's, here's how far it goes. Just like Chris said, and just like you said, bringing the respect, even in the prison. If I'm going in the community and I speak that what Chris is saying, now I'm going to uncle, I'm going to aunt, and I'm saying, you know, I got care for your kid, Mm -hmm. but I need your help on this. Right. Now, look, I'm giving these warnings. I want you to know it's only because I have to do this part of my job. And I need you to respect my job because I want to respect you and and help you in the community. That's the way you build the relationship. And that's how you build the relationship. And you know what? Um, They give... They, they have. Uh, I don't know if I should call them courses or, but they have these. And I, because I, I, how do I know? Because I've done them personally, at my job. You know, they give sexual harassment courses, uh, trainings. Yes, they're all train part of training. And these guys get them in the academy, and they continue to get them throughout the course of their career. Now. Are you taking notes or not? That's a whole other but, story. You know what I'm saying? But yes. we also know what's what's taught in the academy is different than what's on the street. True. Yes. It's so it, vastly it is, different. It is it's like a difference you. of night and day. Oh, and, yeah. And you got to ask who's doing the training because if they have no knowledge. The, the rules are circumvented. Once you get on the street, those everything that you've learned, those policies and rules and regulations that you've learned in the academy are circumvented now. Now, no, this is the way we do it. This is the way we get down. This is the way we go about our business. And that's what they do. Now, when they get ready to discipline, they're going to go to the policy. We're going to revert back to policy. You out there doing your own thing, snatching people out of cars, beating people up. It's going to catch up to you. It does catch up to you. I, 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 I'm not talking about all departments, okay, but my but, department, I've seen I've seen people get their booties handed to them mm-hmm. for violating things. They get caught. You can't keep yeah. doing that and then never and never get caught. Yeah. Here's the deal. Do you do it at the beginning? You're gonna get caught either at the beginning when you do it, or you're gonna get caught in the middle of your career, or you're gonna get caught at the end of your career. Which one all of them are gonna affect your 
your outcome. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize a lot is that it's going to, it's going to affect you one way or the other. It's, How do you want it? That's life. It is. That's life. I, I told my kids since day one, listen, one, one bad decision can affect the rest of your life. Please keep that in mind. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. It could be anything. On January 6, 2023, Abigail Swerner, 25-year-old teacher at Rich Neck Elementary School, was shot by a six-year-old student while she was teaching her class. The six-year-old boy apparently brought a gun to school. On the day that the shooting occurred three different times, school administrators were warned by concerned teachers and employees that this student had a gun on campus and was threatening students before he shot the teacher. He even showed a fellow student the gun. The school administrators didn't call the police, didn't remove the boy from class, didn't search the boy. Apparently, they searched his backpack, but no gun was found. They didn't put the school on lockdown. The nine millimeter pistol he brought to school belonged to his mama. Jeff, I'm going to lean on you. <laughs> wow. I could tell you what I have seen at my school. Um, they're a little bit more, uh, they're, they're more getting down on a lot of stuff now. That's what I could tell you. I mean, I came on campus, there's dog searches and, you know, all kind of stuff going on and something goes down. I noticed that the principal administration immediately contact. It don't matter when it happened, if it happened with a staff. Now, anything that goes on, they immediately send that communication out to parents and teachers. As they should. Anything. Yeah. If it's a concerning teacher, teacher had a medical situation, they went out, they put it out because they don't want messages being misconstrued and kids getting on there saying things that didn't happen, that happened. So they immediately say it didn't involve your kids. It involved the staff or it involved a young lady that had a medical situation and had to be transported. That's why there was an ambulance called. They're putting these messages out fast and they were doing this before that shooting. So it's not like they haven't. And I've been on campus. They lock it down quick. If it happened at the middle school next door and they think it could spill over or there's a relative or, you know, a student, they'll lock down our school, just lock both of them down. So there's more um, awareness. There's more of trying to be proactive things that are going on. But for that to be shown and nothing happened. I've seen on my school kids that I saw this, they immediately locking it down. And it's crazy because living in our city, it get around the other kids at the other schools and they be saying all kind of crazy stuff. Well, they got a shooting at this school and it ain't even all that. So they have to put messages out there to make sure everything is clear because information oh, yeah. is being distorted. And so that situation is like, if it's shown they are negligent all the way across the board, that means the mama that allowed the kid to get that gun out the house, that means the heads is rolling. Who, whoever was made contact with is going to be dealing with that. Because number one, you're a mandated reporter. So if you never, and but, or the only way you clear yourself 
is if I took that information and gave it to the people that were supposed to do something. If they didn't do nothing and that went down like that, principle, there's going to be some heads rolling. The thing is, though, you know what's funny about that? Well, it's not funny, but um, that six-year-old can't go to jail. He's six. Who's going? Who's who? Who's going to do the time? Who's going to get punished for him shooting the teacher? And thank God she lived, right? Yeah. But he's six. He's not going to jail. He's Mm-mm. too young to go to juvenile Mm-mm. hall. And I heard that he had said that he wanted to burn her and watch her die. Mm. He had issues that was presented to that front office before he did what he did. And so, you know what, um, mom, what are you doing? You're not locking up your gun. You're not, what's going on? You know, he don't have to go to jail, but he could go to one of them 5150 places. Until and he, he probably needs and to. He needs to do that, especially if he was told about burning somebody. Then he's yes. going to one of them in-care facilities and not an out-care facility. Oh, no. It's an in-care facility. In which he's gonna have to work through some stuff. That is not residential normal. treatment facility. Yes, sure. but he won't be going back, and then that's why he can't go to he can't go to juvenile hall. But he has to go through these facilities, mm-hmm. and that's why they're there. But uh, she yeah, that kid for can fifty million as she should. She they didn't. They million. did not do anything to prevent that situation, yeah. and they had every opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. So. You know what? More power to her. Like she's the one that's going to continue to suffer. I don't know where she was shot at or what. Shot the, the, in the shoulder. Okay, so how's that going to affect her later on in life? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So how does how yeah. does she continue to serve kids? That's scary. He's six. Six. That's years not somebody that age. you would think a six year old would do. You know, that's some movie stuff. That's that's but some see, stuff you see in a movie. You just said in movie what they being allowed to see and what they think mm-hmm. is okay. What they're exposed to. What games are they playing? Oh, yeah. Where it says, you know, shoot them up, you know, it's all good. Call of Duty, everything. And that they show those things, those images on TV. True. So now this kid reenacts what he sees. Man. You know that that social media is very addicting. Oh. They have proven that kids are addicted. They're addicted to this I stuff. I see it every day. Kids will walk, kid will walk, almost walk into me. Mm. And I'd be like, you good? And they just kind of like, like shook. Cause they been, and I saw them walking. I'm, they walking from like 12, 15 feet away. Mm. And I know they going to walk right in front, right into me. And I just get them right there. And I'm like, yeah. I said, you know what? But I want to be careful how much you, you don't know who can walk up on you with this phone. Do you think the mom should be prosecuted? She, it was her gun. She needs to be held accountable. She's gonna be, have to be held accountable somehow. Yeah. She can't. Yeah. She just can't walk on this. Situation. She didn't make him go shoot, but um, she should have had that gun locked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these other, like, how do you not know as a parent that your child has issues? Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, if one of my kids was talking crazy, saying some stuff, like, I'd be like, all right, we need to go get some evaluation going on because I don't know what's up. You need a pill. I don't know what's going on. But I thank goodness, you know, like I said, my son has had issues with ADHD, but guess where I was? I was mm-hmm. at the doctor's office. Let's get this figured out so I can help my son be a better person for himself and, and for the community. You know, I don't, you know, I got to help him out. So I don't know, at six years old, what are you not paying attention to? Yes, yeah, so it does sound like uh, she got to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, son going to have to go into residential treatment. Mm-hmm. She going to have to be a part of all the counseling. She going to have to be a part of that. That's they going to make her. They She got to be accountable for something. She, she does. 
I, I was accountable for my, like, like I said, my son didn't do anything, but that ADD stuff is real. And there's a process of things that have to go on so that you can help your child mm. succeed in life when you have these kind of issues. So I had to be accountable for my child, but that's my, that's me. I'm a, I'm, you know, mom, I'm here. I'm here to, you know, support and take care of my kids and make sure that, um, you know, they go the way they're supposed to go. The issue that we both know, Chris, is that even if that uh, that young child has to go to residential treatment and it's not their home, man, them kids be acting out. Yeah, they be acting out. And and the hope and, and prayer is that they're in a good residential treatment facility where their safety can, and, and we also know about how that go. <laughs> so, there's, there's so much but, but, I, but I hope there's a plan in place where this mother can either get some parenting classes or some counseling on how to better parent her child. Because when you start going into those residential treatment facilities, those foster homes, man, a lot of those kids end up getting victimized by older kids, man. And maybe the best place for this kid, this six-year-old, is to be with his mom and have somebody check on him, a social worker check on him and, and her and make sure they have the right resources True. Uh, that they can use to, 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 to make him, I guess, more accountable, more responsible and make her more accountable and her more responsible too. I don't, I don't believe in all these foster homes, these residential treatments, I don't these, these boys and, and, and girls too. They they end up getting victimized, man, and traumatized. Yeah. And and that's something that uh, you you put it perfectly. But um, the way we think about that, and I can only speak in California, the way we think about that is all wrong. Because if they were thinking the way you're saying it like that, we would probably have a little bit more buy-in at schools. Kids would be a little bit more receptive about how things go on but you just can't put them in residential because a lot of those places are ran very evil. They're not, people are just doing them for the money for the money and people are just harping. And then if kid is acting out, they're asking the, the, the County or the state, well, if you want me to keep them more, you need to give me more money. But that's not the issue. The issue is what things are set up in place to help the child and you try to make that kid more successful. They don't think, I don't think that's the, the mindset. Right. But in that case, family reunification should be paramount because if you're moving from one, you moving a kid from one facility to another facility to another facility, that's not going to help him. Now he has to readjust, readjust, probably trying to protect himself somehow, some way from being victimized. Yeah, six years old. That's six years old. So young. So young. Like you said, son, Tony, he ain't going to go to jail. No, he's too young. He can't, he can't go, go to, to jail. He, he, go to juvie. He, he can't go to juvie. Yeah. And here's what's crazy. That that what made him take the, the, the gun to school and act out that he go to he go to a foster care residential. It's going to get manifested even better, worse. Yeah. Because that's all them kids are going to be talking about because a lot of them was in similar situations. Situations. And so now they're going to be like... Clicking. Clicking. <laughs> hey, this is what I did. And you, if you don't think six-year-olds are talking like that, something wrong with you because they do. They be talking about it. Hey, you know what I did? Like nothing. Like it's nothing. No conscience about about the repercussions of, of your actions. You're six. 
I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're on timeout. School administrators, you guys need to wake up, man. Pay attention to these kids, man. Got to get out of your offices. Yeah. Walk, do, do they even, do you ever see the principals walking around? I don't want to talk about it, brother. <laughs> do, they, do they walk the campus, bro? He's like. We might have, growing up, we used to be scared of the we, principal. We might have like two. We used to be scared of the principal, scared of the deans. The deans, we had, bro, growing up. They were disciplined. We had, we, had a, we, had, we had a black lady, black dean, bro. She wasn't no joke. She'd hey. be like, get to class. Hey, the black teachers I had, man, in junior high was no joke. Mm-mm. Come rolling there late, you get your hand hit with a ruler. Yeah. They Remember weren't they playing. They weren't playing. And you you made sure you came in there the next time because you didn't want that hand. Remember when tired. there was corporal punishment at school? I don't want to talk about it. I was so it. upset with my mother. I, I, like, I got paddled a few times. I, oh, I, I got it once. Not Never me. went again. Not me. But I told my mom, I said, I can't believe you would let a stranger... Spank me. You need to be spanking me. Because you was bad. You said that to your mama. Yes. Oh, my God. That's because. Because I, I looked at the what paper she when she registered me. I said, you marked yes? How what old the, were you when you? I don't know. I was, I was, I was you like know junior you were, high or something. I don't even and know. And you know what you was say? bad and you say? deserved it, too. So what just tell goes, the truth. Yeah, they're going to spank you. <laughs> they're going to get. I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know that panel's hanging on the wall in, uh, the, in the office? What does it say? It takes a village to raise a child? Is that what it <laughs> yeah. is? Hold up. Did you go back to that office? I've never, I never went she to the principal's office. Okay, because you knew. My sister did. My mm. sister was in there. I think I, I got in trouble one time because um, I was I was ditching. I was ditching. That was high school. Um, then I, I don't even know what I said. I said something. But my mom, like my mom, I didn't. I wasn't a bad well, she didn't catch me. I wasn't bad though. Like I never disrespected my mom. I wasn't like that. You know, I would I would sneak around and do what I was going to do, but um, but I was never disrespectful to her face like my sister would be. My sister always talking back and all that kind of stuff. So my mom was at the school quite a few times for my sister. But as you and Chris, you alluded to, the bottom line is uh, we have let authority go down. And what I mean by that is good positive reinforcement authority we have let it go so we don't everything is we should have intervention programs for kids that means even if you bring a sack of drugs and you get it around and you spreading around and i catch you with it in your bag we don't suspend you we have an intervention program on school campus so the kids still see you on campus why is that because Come on, let's get real with that. Why they, we need them kids on campus because of the numbers. That's and right. The numbers generate revenue. revenue. And so now what happened is they utilize this. This is my opinion. Mm-hmm. They utilize that so many black and brown kids were getting suspended and it was out of the norm that they were getting suspended. And so now the state gets scared because they don't want to get sued or bring in civil rights advocates on behalf of the kid, even though that kid is bad as you know what, Mm -hmm. and they get away. And so now what they want to, they don't understand is one kid can affect 200 kids on your campus. They don't realize that if he brings a bag of drugs and them drugs start going from individual, now you've affected kids on your campus. Well, look at all these kids that have OD'd. We, we didn't yeah. had like three in the last week. Where are they getting them? That probably? have OD'd? Like two in the park and one. That have OD'd? Yes. Wow. So. It's crazy. What I'm telling you is, is that they, the kids are getting a slap on the head and they, they say, well, you don't want to be at home. That's not my responsibility. School is a business. 
It's my business to equip young people to be successful and they can be successful if they come to school and we work with them. So schools have a responsibility. Parents have a responsibility. When you can't do that and you continue to come back, then the system is failing because now we're allowing kids to think it's okay to act like that. So it would going to surprise you if a kid shows up in my school with a gun because it's okay. Because if he had that, it's okay. They don't understand what drugs is doing. Are there resources, resource officers at your school? Oh, yeah. And we got one that's pretty tough. Mm. That one is pretty tough. But at the same time, she's only one. There's only one. All right. I'm not, so being, we I'm all, not being biased, but damn, it's a female? Yeah, we have a female. Mm. And what we have going on is, is that... Um, and the things that are that are that are going on in schools, and I know it's not just our school, it's every school. Right. Because and and there I'm sure there's some schools where it seems like they have a little bit more lock on what goes on. But what I have seen continuously, and when I talk to my colleagues from other school districts, same thing going on. Kids being able to get away. I got a friend, he's a white teacher that's in a predominantly white school. He said they be acting out and getting away with being disrespectful too. Mm-hmm. So it's a world, it's a it's a world issue. It's a thing where we're now doubling down on being disciplined, and we're saying because they're not getting that at home. Because they're not and, they're not getting that at home. You know what I mean? And so now the kids, they you know they think they then what kid now kid call you bro instead of calling you, you know Mister Carr, Mister right. Stovall. Right. You know what I mean? Now is. Hey, bro, when they get angry, like, I ain't your bro. I'm not your bro. I'm your teacher if you want to speak to me. But see, a lot of teachers don't know how to establish relationships. So when I come at a kid like that, it's different than that. They come at it because the kid look at them like, oh, you think you better than me. And it's what I always been taught at home that you think you better than me. And now you talking down on me. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to better you. I got love for you, but you ain't going to disrespect me like that. So a student comes up to you and says, Coach Stovall, I think this such and this such kid has has a gun on campus. He showed me the gun. What do you do? Oh, it's immediately called Campos, administration, all that. Now I'm because so the first call is to who? The first call is the campus supervisors because they're the ones that are on the ground level. And you want them to know so that they can be aware right away. Second one goes to administration. And I'm not counting on the campus supervisors to tell the administrator. Mm -hmm. I'm telling the administrator just like I told the campus supervisors. And that's because they're perusing the place. We don't know where the kid is when it's in in compared with all his other students. We don't know if it's during passing period. If the kid is inside, we want to be aware. Are they on foot or are they on or they on They're on bikes, carts, and foot. Okay. So and our administration can use it too, or they can pick up the administration, bring them to the situation as well. Okay. The other thing, the reason why that's going to go down, then he's going, the principal is going to make the, the to the SRO. If the SRO isn't there, right. they have another command person, and I'm telling you, they be swooping from all the schools. Like right. they'll swoop on the campus from all the schools and in different directions. Okay, and so that's the line of a uh, of defense you want to always have, uh, but. You know, we in our class, teachers, man, they they double down on kids. They let them do stuff in the class. Like, 
you know, and they just let them just do stuff. And I'm like, will you let your kid do that at home? Well, I guess some of them would, but no, I try to keep order. It's like, look, it's the way you talk to people. That means the lunch ladies going to need the same respect mm-hmm. as Coach Stovall needs. Mm-hmm. You don't talk down on them. The custodian need the same respect because he's cleaning up after you. And that's how I approach it. But I said they need to have this in another class when they bring in teachers in. They need training. to have another class. This training. They need to have a different training method. Because they're just saying, oh, work with diverse kids. That don't mean nothing. What about when you're going to get called that B word? Mm. Are you going to take it personal? Mm. Are you going to kick the kid to the curb? Are you understand that that B word might be coming from somewhere else? How do you handle that? Hey, it how do you depends. handle that? Me? What if they called you an N word? Oh, they they talk about it. I got white kids. What if they called you an N word? Oh, I had a kid say all you in. Oh, I had a kid do that, and I was walking towards. You him. heard him? Yes, yeah, I heard him. But he tried to like walk off. You know, he tried to walk off and say, and he and he got walked into the locker room, and so I was like. Son, come here. But I wasn't doing it like in a threatening way. Mm-hmm. I didn't, did you did you say that to me? You know what I mean? Okay. Then we get in the conversation. It's not a threatening thing unless he only knows it to be threatening. But it's a teaching moment for it's you. It's a teaching moment for me and the kids. That, hey, son, that's not the way we talk to each other. There's a way we respond. Let's, let's get to talk. Where'd that come from? Why are you doing that? And when you ask questions, you start getting dialogue. And even if it don't happen at that time... You're cool. You go back to it another day and you never let that go until you get some type of clarity. But I walked the kid in the locker room. He thinking, he thinking I'm like coming at him. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. so I just want to talk to you. Then he's in the locker room telling the kids, oh man, I think the coach going to get me. He going to swing mm-hmm, on me. Mm-hmm. And the kids are sitting back. He needs to swing on you. Yeah. I got my kids like, bro, you don't talk to him like that. I got kids checking him. Nah. But there's a difference, but I think it all comes down to relationships. Yeah. Yeah, but if a kid, if somebody said that word to me, I don't know. I'd probably talk about your mama. <laughs> your mama won. You know you would do that. You see. <laughs> you, you already know where it's coming from, though. Anyway, uh, this has been a great discussion. Uh, if you haven't listened to our, our previous podcast, please do. The one on mental health is is one of our latest podcasts. I thought it was very, very great. Uh, fatherless uh, children. Uh, man, we got a slew of, of, of great podcasts for you to listen. So we want to thank you uh, for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate your thoughts and your feedback. Once again, for any comments or questions, you can reach out to us at Walking. With purpose podcast at gmail.com. Once again, it's walking with purpose podcast at gmail.com. Here is Santana with today's words of wisdom. When you arise in the morning, think of what a pre- precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, and to love. If you won't stand with me, if you won't go with me, 